across the nation. Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! Oh! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Rage and Review Podcast. Josh, Jerry, and Nick doing this uh, like we do every week. Coming to you, talk a little Cajun sports. I'm probably going to focus on football as uh, we are in the middle of football season. If anybody has forgotten, uh, has been a forgettable week. Anyway, uh, welcome back. It's good to be back. I know we took a break from the live shows a little bit, but uh, happy to be with you. First and foremost, get get uh, some business taken care of. If you're new to the pod, if you like what we do, please, please subscribe, rate, review. Growing the community is the absolute number one priority that we have for everybody. Uh, and you guys have done a spectacular job of growing the pod with us. And uh, the subscribe numbers are uh, actually humbling. I mean, we've done a great job in the last couple of weeks. So please continue to do that. Tell a friend. Boys, how's it been out there in the streets dealing with a loss for the first time in a calendar year? weird <laughs> you, get, you you know it's one thing to be upset about it it's another thing after a couple of days you just recover from it and you look forward to the next game so they have a chance for redemption on saturday against ulm we'll see no it's like uh saturday you felt like losing a family member almost and i know that's probably a little much but you have this like deep despair feeling you know you see the clock hit triple zero and it's yeah we lost what what did i forgot what this felt like and then uh, you go throughout the week and you try to find the positives. And there are some. I mean, there are some. It's difficult to find sometimes, but there are some. Uh, and, and I think the the hard thing to do is to put it all in perspective because, again, it's been a while since we suffered a loss. It's been a while since we lost to a team that we didn't think that we should have. So that's the other part of it. And then, you know, you got to deal with everybody's reaction. So... That's going to be our first segment today. Our first segment is going to be fan reaction. But before we do that, I want to do a few shout outs. Uh, unfortunately, we uh, we lost one of our own this past week. Yeah, no, I've had the chance to meet uh, Chris and his wife. I, I had the chance to sit with them a few times uh, where my seats are at the Teague and got to know them while Chris was here or while Christopher played here. And they were great people, um, just good as gold. And uh, they drove in, you know, every game every game from Berwick to come watch him play and uh, you know, really nice guy and he's going to be missed. No question. So I, I wanted to say that and uh, start the show with a little bit of uh, honoring them a little bit. Post game on Saturday was difficult. So I didn't get to do my, my weekly soccer shout out. So if you guys will bear with me for 10 seconds, the rainbow mermaids dominated the opponent winning eight to three going away. Uh, in fact, we made the other team quit. They they wanted to quit at halftime. Uh, look, we crushed them. So, 2-0 on the season. We will play the Weber team. They don't have a team name, which 
anyway, we'll play the Weber team on Saturday. Looking for another good performance from the girls. We just continue to go one and zero. That's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. Uh, and then on the on the uh, the the younger the younger note, uh, Big Cat's team uh, battled to a four four duel, uh, a tie on the pitch. Uh, the Hot Boys, oh no, the Fire Boys. They they named themselves the Fire Boys, and I just transposed that into Hot Boys. That that's my '90s rap coming out in me. Uh, <laughs> so good, a good a good weekend on the pitch. Good times. Fan reaction. This is something that's important because again, we're all about building the fan base. But I, I think it's very interesting to kind of investigate the fan reaction to Mike's first loss. You know, on one extreme, you had fans who wanted to get his his seat hot already. You had you had fans that wanted to, uh, you know, it got ugly for a minute. We had to we had to get some people back in line. <laughs> you know, obviously kidding, but people people react differently to losses. You know, say what you guys want. You know that we're always going to tell the truth, and we're going to do it as fair as we can because I think we think we owe that to everybody involved. Mike deserves every opportunity to succeed. He needs he he needs our support more than most. He uh, he deserves the same the same chance that we gave Billy. So uh, Jerry's going to talk about this later in the episode, and he's going to make some comparisons. But this team has some similarities to 2018 in Billy's first year. And I don't remember a lot of people jumping ship when we lost to Coastal at home in 2018. So uh, on, on the other extreme, you had people that were overly defensive, and I don't think that's healthy either. So I just want to talk to you guys and talk to the group about the fan reaction to loss number one for, for Dez and what it felt like uh, to lose for the first time in a very long time. Nick, we'll start with you. Well, I think I had more of a problem with who we lost to than us losing. I mean, it doesn't matter what game we lost this season. We were going to be pissed off, and there was going to be extreme reactions, like the the world was ending. I think had we lost to maybe Southeastern, it may have been worse. Uh, God forbid we lose to ULM next week. That will be catastrophic in in the eyes of our fans and and maybe rightfully so but we'll talk about that in a little bit but we don't want to I mean I'm not going to tell fans how to fan I usually brush it off within a day and then I'm moving on and and that's what I did again like I go back and I look and and we were very passionate in our post game as we should be because we were pissed off that we lost to that team uh, but in the end we were still even as crappy as a performance we had with nine minutes to go, we were only down by six. I mean, despite everything that we did and how awful we looked, we were still in the game at the end. So uh, lots of bad, like you said, a little bit of good, but don't act like, again, I'm not going to tell fans how to fan, but I, I, as a fan, don't want to act like those 60 miles down the road from us who were calling for their new head coach's head in game one in a one-point loss. And they were serious. They weren't joking. They were like, let's get rid of this guy. It's not for us. Come on, man. You're not the guys with you. He's getting paid $100 million. He ain't going anywhere. Same with Dez. Dez is not going anywhere after this year. Put that to bed. You got to give the guy a chance to make this his program like we did with Deggs. Remember, Deggs had struggles. Even this year, Deggs had struggles. And you had to give him the opportunity to make this his team and his program. And we saw it happen. Like, we saw it happen before our eyes. So... It's a microcosm of a whole season. Um, if you break down like I do every year and you give grades for per, for every game, we're, we're a quarter through the season. We're, we ain't got a good report card for the first three games, but there's still a lot ahead of us and still all our goals ahead of us. But we got to turn it around this week. 
Yeah, I've worked it off, man. And it's a delicate balance. I mean, you want to be able to be fair in your analysis, right? If you know football, you want to be able to be fair in your analysis. But at the same time, you can't start hollering about a warm seat or like, or somebody, or we're, like we're starting to call ULM a must-win game. And look, some of the the visceral reaction on Saturday was a fan being a fan, right? We kind of we were all upset, and we talked about ULM being a must-win game. But I think that I hope people didn't misunderstand us, like. At me personally, it's a must-win game for perception and the fact that we don't want to lose the fan base that we still have coming to the stadium, right? So that was kind of where I was going with it. But the idea that ULM is like a make-or-break, I look for the season and for for overall morale. Yeah, I mean you want to beat ULM. They're picked to to finish last in the West. Of course you want to beat ULM. Plus they're they're the Monrovians almost. I mean come on, you want to beat them. But at the same time, if something happens that we go up there and we lose, it's going to be a mountain of criticism. Des is not getting fired. <laughs> He's not getting fired. You know what I mean? It's just, it's okay to be a fan. And again, our motto here is basically, I'm not going to ever tell you how to be a fan. But I can tell you when I think that you're kind of out of bounds when you're saying the seat needs to be hot if you lose to Monroe. Do I, before you go, Jerry, do I criticize people, including myself or you or anybody, for questioning coaching decisions in a game? Absolutely not, because I think they're still on their learning curve. They're trying to figure out as we go. But again, like you said, that ain't going anywhere. It's game three. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and we always knew it was going to be a work in progress, right, Jerry? Right. I mean, look, going into this game since the beginning of 2019, we had a record of 36 and 5. So honestly, when you have a run like that, it's very difficult to react to a loss because it's something we really are not used to in the last five, about four or five years. Um, and it's not just the fact that we lost to Rice, it's how we lost to Rice. It, it seemed like a team that really looked unfamiliar to us. We didn't play well. I mean, we didn't get 100 yards of total offense till the fourth quarter. A lot of careless penalties, just not not the Cajuns football we're used to. So of course... And it was to Rice, like like Nick said. It wasn't to Marshall. It wasn't to App State. It wasn't to Florida State. It was to Rice. So, yeah, it was very frustrating. It was hard to watch. But, you know, after the game, Mike said, he's like, look, this is all on me. I'm the head coach. I got to get this team prepared. And I hope that the players got a taste of what that felt like after the game Saturday night and that got them to work harder this week for practice going into ULM. So, you know, I'm not ready to press the panic button yet. Is it frustrating to lose to Rice? Did I, did I not – I mean, did I – enjoy losing to rice no but you know to say that all of a sudden the coaching seat is hot now because you lost one game i mean let's let's go back a little bit mike's three and one as a coach this is his first loss as a head coach so um to say that you know his job's on the line or anything like that i mean that's 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 way too soon to talk like that now as far as perception like you said josh as far as um you know as far as uh, the fate of determining how the rest of the season goes and how our momentum goes uh, carrying forward. Yes, the ULM, the ULM game is very important because if you do lose that game, you know, you have a tough stretch coming up with South Alabama followed by Marshall, and then you have rival Arkansas State coming to town. So, yeah, you have a really tough stretch after this weekend. So that's why this weekend to me is a must win, not just not because of the fate of Mike Desimo's job. It has nothing to do with that. It's just the fact that, if you know, you have a you have a tougher stretch in that schedule, and you have to win now so you can start 1-0 in conference and, and get ready to play some tougher 
tougher competition ahead. But look, I understand the fans are frustrated. I understand that everybody's mad that we lost to Rice. Like I said, I'm not happy either. But let's pull let's let's pull the reins back a little bit and give the, give this guy and his staff a shot. And I'm going to talk about it on on my on my segment later. My man, I tell you what segment and give you a little bit of uh, a perspective of of why to me we kind of need to take a step back and just kind of reevaluate. Our, our panic. I don't want to push the panic button yet, but uh, I do think that, look, fans have a right to be concerned about the way we played the other day. Fans have a right to question the way we played the other day. Should we question whether or not these coaches keep their job because of one game? I think that's pushing it a little bit. Well, you're going to learn a lot about the staff this week. Or, or do they have the ability to fire a team up? We're going to find out. Do they have a, an ability to make an adjustment where it's obviously needed? We're about to find out. But to your point about ULM, ULM, first of all, Talking about Des being replaced is so ridiculous. I don't even want to give it airtime. But the reason why it's important is because, number one, it's the next game. And, number two, they're a Western Division op- opponent. Got to, you got to go 1-0 against the Western Division. ULM or not, it could be anybody. That's why it's important. Now, like I mentioned, the fan base morale can definitely be affected by a loss there, obviously. But that that's definitely – look, I, I think that the people that you have riding with you right now or the, are the core base. So – Maybe I'm, I'm maybe a little bit overstating that, but still, it's ULM. You want to go beat the, the last pick place uh, Western Division team. I mean, if we fancy ourselves to be what we think we can be with the talent we have on the roster, we should win the game. Well, and I was going to say, too, Josh, somebody made a comment. Well, we lost to Rice. There goes attendance. <laughs> so let's, let's think about this for a second. The people who went to the game are going to the game, first of all, you got half the people that are going to the game because they're hardcore Cajun fans. They're not going to turn around and not come because we lost the game to Rice. The other half are people who casually showed up and probably didn't even know we had a winning streak against uh, Eastern Michigan, and they were still there, and they still supported the Cajuns. So I don't buy into they're not going to show up. I still think they're going to show up. We're still going to have an attendance issue regardless. I mean, we were a top 25 team last year, and we didn't draw like we thought we should draw. So... um, that too, that argument I think is is not valid right now. Now, if we go, if we lose the next eight games, well then, yeah, that might have an attendance drop just because of the lack of success. But again, step off the ledge for a second. Let's let's kind of reevaluate where we are and let's see what lies ahead for us next week. Look, here's the reality. Going into last week, okay, we had a 15-game win streak going into Rice. We were talking about attendance issues last week. That was the whole brunt of our conversation all week was how do we get people to the game. So if people are worried about our attendance dropping now, again, our stretch going into the Rice game was 36-5 and going into that game last week since the beginning of the 2019 season. If people weren't going to the game before, I highly doubt they're going to drop off now because of one loss. I mean, come on. Let's be real here. I'm not, you know, I don't want to criticize, but if people are going to say, oh, we lost the fan base because of one game after a 36-5 and run, they weren't there to begin with. Ooh, that's a dagger. But you're also correct. <laughs> um. No, I'm with you. I'm looking at Kyle. Kyle Brister had uh, he made a comment about the fact that the loss could be a good thing. And if you're gonna lose a game, and I, this is not me trying to polish a turd. I know what I saw on Saturday was not good. I think we said as much in the post game. I think we were very direct and and blunt with what we thought. Uh, but if you're gonna lose a game, you want to lose a non conference game. That happened, and you didn't lose at home, so that's a good thing. And it's early in the season. All right. I don't think any of us know really where we stand. Maybe Rice is better than we thought. Again, I thought that their offense was good enough to give us real problems. I mean, we talked about that in the preview. And they had a couple of, of horses on their offense. I mean, dude, I, the Rozier guy, Rosner guy, he was, he was a legit talent. 
And I thought the McCaffrey kid was a very tough receiver. It doesn't matter the size of these guys. They played hard. Now, they also brought to the yard some dirty play, and they used their mouths in ways they shouldn't. Which, by the way, uh, those comments made it up to the the most uh, elite levels of the Sunbelt Conference, just to give you guys a quick update. So, uh, fortunately, we were able to uh, to make some relationships in the Sunbelt Conference offices, and we used those contacts to uh, to let them know what was going on. So, the people that need to know about what happened, they know about it. They're being invested. It's being investigated. We don't know what's going to happen. When, if we get an update, we'll share it with you. Anyway, maybe Rice is better than we thought. Who knows? I thought we also got hosed by the, the Kusa refs. I, I mean, I, we laid out the, the evidence. It's pretty clear to see what happened. Um, there were multiple times where I thought a call should have been made or not made, regardless. Uh, but, but the idea of getting rid of Dez or even thinking about it, talking about it, it's, just, it's not so worth the time. Let's go back to your comment about officiating, and I'm not, trust me, on any of the games this season, as awful as the officiating was, it did not cost us a game. No, no, no. When you look at the fact that Eastern Michigan came and built it into their contract to have Mac refs, and then we go to a Kusa team and we have Kusa refs, why are we building that into our contract to have Sunbelt refs? Because they're, look, Sunbelt officiating has gotten a lot better in the last couple of years. And while we've had our, there are some crews that I, I hesitate when I see them calling games, but they're better than what I saw these last two weeks. So I, I don't understand why we're not building that into contracts where we're playing on the road. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I see that uh, in the chat, people are starting to talk about the quarterback play. And we went into depth on this in the post game. I think Mike was very uh, convicted. Chandler Fields is a starting quarterback. Look, man, Brett Favre went out and had bad play, uh, bad games. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had bad games. Tom Brady just had a stinker just recently. Guys have bad games. Maybe, I mean, I can't think of another time, especially not at home, that Chandler really had a, a, a clunker of a game. We got to remember the guy's a brand new starter at a Division One level. He maybe just had a bad game. All right, we 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 have to keep that in mind. That that has got to be at the forefront of when when you look at and evaluate the quarterback situation. The guy might have had a bad game. Yes, they stuck with Ben, but I agreed with sticking with the hot hand, and maybe not even necessarily a hot hand, but he was completing passes later in the game. You can say that Rice played more of a prevent when they got went up two scores. But it doesn't matter. He, he led a touchdown drive late in the game. Sometimes you got to make an adjustment on the fly. I agreed with the, the decision to make the adjustment. I think you guys did the same. But to question the quarterback position, now look, you want to question the, the way that they're running the system? That's one thing. I would agree that this two-quarterback thing is, it can cause more problems than, than solutions that, that it offers. But at the same time, nobody's really grabbed the job. It almost feels like the Jennings-Nixon conversation. You've seen a couple of good things out of each, but nobody has been consistent enough to just take the job and, and own it. I thought Chandler looked apart for a lot of the time in the Eastern Michigan game and a lot of the time in the Southeastern game. I didn't think he looked very good last week. We, we said as much. There were times when Ben looked good last week and not necessarily in the Southeastern or the Eastern Michigan game. So it goes back to the consistency. I mean, really, can you argue with the coaching staff at this time now that we have three games under our belt? I don't think you can. I can still not like the two-quarterback system. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Again, if 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 we have three more games and we're still having this conversation, then then maybe it's time to name a starter for good and not have this two-QB thing. But 
again, I, I I don't know, man. At this point, I'm kind of a loss for it. Just I'm just going with it. I'm just here for the ride because uh, it's not changing. Obviously, like you said, he's convicted in his decision. I'm going to respect it, uh, but we'll I'll give it some time and we'll see what happens. You know, there's something, this is one of those situations where there's something that the coaches see that we don't as fans. And, and that's where I just have to take a step back and realize, look, these coaches are making a lot more money uh, making these decisions than we are talking about it. So um, I'm just going to rely on them and trust them at this point, because obviously at practice or in film study, they see something that that is allowing Ben to get reps and is allowing him to go in for drives. So I, I do hope that Chandler's play improves. I know Mike was very adamant the other day in his press conference saying, look, Chandler's still the starting quarterback, but you, you, you definitely want them now. I mean, look, conference starts this week. You definitely want them now to be more consistent. You definitely want both of them to go in and, and, and allow our offense to maintain momentum, regardless of who's taking snaps. I also think too, the, the common denominator between, the, the quarterback play lately to me and really the, the whole entire foundation of the offense has been the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line has been struggling a little bit and it's safe to say, it's safe to say we've, we've, everybody's noticed it. Uh, there's, they're young, they're, they're a little bit immature, not as much experienced. I mean, you're replacing a Max Mitchell last who, who's now starting for the New York jets, by the way, you've got Osiris Torrance who is now starting for the Florida Gators. He might be an all American this year by the end of the season, the way he's being talked about. I mean, you're replacing a bunch of guys who are hurt. So you basically have a, 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 a offensive line that really is not only learning on the fly, but they're, some of them are banged up. Some guys are not even playing right now. So, you know, th they're a work in progress. And, and unfortunately for us, we run an offense that is sort of a run balance type offense that relies on the offensive line. So I think if once the offensive line improves, I think once they get a few more uh, reps and, and a few more, uh, I guess, a few more games to kind of adjust, I definitely think our offense, regardless of quarterback, is going to improve. They just have to get better so we can open up our run game and allow our quarterbacks to have enough time to set their feet and get a throw off. Look, I think, and I think too, we need to give credit to the Rice coaching staff because not only did they have them coached up, maybe too coached up because of the trash that they were doing during the game, but they had a good game plan for, for Chandler. I will say that they had an excellent game plan when you consider we only had the ball for 11 minutes. And when Chandler was under pressure, he did not look good. And they brought pressure at exactly the right moment and they brought the right type of pressure and they forced bad throws. And, and so I think that had a lot to do with it, too. They watched game tape from the week before and saw what Eastern Michigan did that first half of the game and how they were successful, and they, they emulated that. And I said it last week before the game, if we don't come and punch them in the mouth and take it to them and take that and put that doubt in their head and, and we're letting them hang around, it, it's not going to be pretty come around the third quarter, and that's exactly what happened. They dominated the time of possession. They kept us off rhythm offensively. They brought pressure. And the, the result is what I thought would happen if they did that. Now I was hoping it wouldn't ha come to that, but you know, um, give credit to their coaching staff. They did what they had to do and they came up with a great game plan and hopefully um, we change it up because we can't keep doing that every week. And of all the comments we've heard, I have not heard a single person outside of maybe us briefly say, you got to give credit to rice and the coaching staff. I think you and I, Nick, are the only two I've heard. Literally nobody said, the other team plays too. And regardless of if you think Rice is terrible or not, I, and I wouldn't describe them as a terrible football team. I was actually impressed with the wide receiver core. I thought McMahon, once he got control of himself, played pretty well in the second half. Their offensive line did a pretty decent job. I thought that their defensive line was more physical than I expected them to be. 
and this is I'm I'm not just saying this to excuse our poor play. We didn't play well. We should have won by two scores. We should have beat that team. But you got to give credit to Rice. They went out and they played and they beat us. They they and look when you when you control the ball for 40 minutes of gameplay, you've done something right. Because and and the reason that was so important for Rice is because they have some studs on their uh, their sub sub stud starters on first string and second string, but once you get into third and fourth string and, and you start wearing them down, then that's when they get into problems. They never had to go to the third and fourth string guys. They were good with their ones and twos the whole game because they only spent eleven minutes on the freaking field. So there was that was the that was the key opportunity for that game was to wear them down so that we could start getting those third and fourth string guys in, and we never had that opportunity, and that's why it ended the way it did. Now, to to ULM's credit, they do rotate a lot of guys in, so they're going to be playing a lot of younger guys, third and fourth strings, as you mentioned, Nick, uh, this weekend. So that actually might give us an opportunity to be able to do the same. Hopefully, if we're able to keep our offense on the field a little bit longer and extend drives, you know, usually whenever you're on the field for only, what was it, 17 minutes of the game, you can't get things going, you know. And, and I find that, to Rice's credit, they – they out-schemed us a few times. That, that that was the thing that was a little concerning for me, especially in the second and third quarter. Right after halftime, the way they were moving the football on us offensively, they, they out-schemed us, and they ran some decent play action. They went to the flat a few times, and, I mean, they did a good job uh, with their offensive scheme. I didn't expect much from them going into the game. I thought our defense would overpower them, but to their credit, they also kept our defense on the field because they extended drives, and that was something that made a big difference because when our offense got the ball back, we couldn't move the football. We couldn't do anything and get a drive going. We'd get a three and out, and we'd give them the ball back again, and by that time, by the fourth quarter, our defense is gassed. So our defense, I thought, played a good game. It's just, to Rice's credit, they found ways to extend drives. They got to third and short, converted first downs. They ran Broussard. They didn't do anything fancy, per se. They well, they didn't, didn't have really to. Do anything. Yeah, they, they didn't do to. anything fancy, but they did make some decent play calls at certain parts of the game, which allowed them to stay on the field. And that's one thing we're going to have to avoid this weekend. You know, ULM runs a very similar offense to Rice. I wouldn't say they're as talented, but they're, they're pretty similar. So hopefully this weekend we're not, you know, catching our breath on defense again because this is definitely an opportunity for our offense to make up for, for lost ground because I don't, I don't think ULM's defense is as good as Rice. I think Rice actually had a pretty decent uh, – they had a fast secondary. Their front seven was a lot better than I expected. Um, I don't know if ULM has that, so this is hopefully an opportunity for us to kind of right the wrong. Uh, and, and sustain some drives and get some scores and build some confidence up. Build some confidence up on this offense as the season goes on. You know, you definitely need to do that this weekend and, you know, start the season 1-0 and in conference. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into ULM in a minute. Uh, before we leave this particular conversation, we were going to do a Rice wrap-up segment, so we'll just use that last few minutes as, as the Rice wrap-up segment. But somebody posed a question to Jerry that I found very interesting and I thought it was worth mentioning. And by the way, we don't have any inside information about this. This is just a, a question that somebody posed. If the quarterback situation continues to be what it is, you know, you have four games to slap a red shirt on a kid. You see Zeon Chris sitting on the sideline. People are starting to wonder, do you pull the red shirt and you just let him play? Just throw him out there. If you got the two quarterback system going and it's just not working. I thought it would be fun to talk about that. And Jerry and I did kind of talk about that on Sunday. Does anybody have any thoughts about just letting Zeon go out there and figure it out in his freshman season? I think between Ben and Chandler, 
they're two veteran quarterbacks to where I think you kind of let them ride it out this year just because they've been there for so long. I mean, look, people forget Ben Woldridge is a transfer from Fresno State. So he's played at, at, a, at another decent G5 program, and you've got Chandler that's waited his turn for three years now. So, I, you know, as much as I'd love to see Zeon get some play time, I think this is an opportunity just to kind of let these two quarterbacks uh, play and, and see what they can do to finish out the year. Zeon's the future. I think everybody knows Zion's the future. Everybody knows that Zion is the guy that's going to be, he, he might, he'll be QB one in a couple seasons. I mean, he's just got that type of talent. I, I've, as far as I know, he's playing scout team quarterback this week to, uh, to simulate ULM's quarterback, very similar type of, uh, type of uh, athlete. And so look, I'm excited about Zion being quarterback, but I don't know if I'm ready to take his red shirt. Remember you pull his red shirt. He loses a year. What better way to let him kind of, practice this year and then he gets a full year of eligibility moving forward so yeah I, I'll be honest with you it's a good conversation because everybody knows and look as a fan right the two quarterbacks aren't playing up to their full potential you see a guy like Zeon Chris who everybody knows is going to be the future it's a, it's a good question but I think from a logical standpoint you just let him take the red shirt this year you let him get that full year of eligibility let him learn the system let him learn the speed of the game you know, continue to practice and work hard. And then by the time he's eligible, then then he can then we can talk about, you know, whether or not he should be getting play time. But this year, I'd probably say just let him kind of let him learn the let him learn the system. Let him learn the system. Let him learn the speed of the game. And when he's ready, he'll definitely be ready. And and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this what this guy can do. Yeah, I am too. But like if I don't know what's gonna happen the rest of the season, and and I'm with you, Jerry. Ben's got experience. I mean, Chandler has some experience now starting games. We're, we're a quarter into the season. I mean, what good is going to come out of it? Because you're still going to have to give another three games. So, okay, so now we're halfway through the season. And so he has six games to go. I mean, at that point, you just pick a guy and run with it. Because I'm, I'm like you. I want to see Zeon for four years, possibly, as a starter. I don't want to waste it on – uh, this year where we could either we could either run the table the rest of the year and we, we should have never done it or we could tank and we still should have never done it e- either way I don't think I, I think we just wait and we let him have his chance uh, next year now this is not necessarily my opinion on the matter but some folks would say the last time we pulled a red shirt worked out pretty good just saying <laughs> does this have to do with somebody who wore the jersey number 12 well, no, it was a guy who wore a jersey that is the winningest quarterback in Raging Cajun history. Well, okay, but there's a difference in the scenario here. Um, that was like in game nine or ten, and, uh, and I mean, at that point, that was to save a coaching staff and save their jobs. Uh, this particular situation is, well, these two quarterbacks aren't playing well, so we're just going to play this guy just so he can salvage the season, when in reality, I mean, like we talked about earlier, the staff is not in jeopardy of losing their jobs. Uh, by the way, I mentioned that because I know, I know you brought up Levi just now, but I brought up number twelve because I think Jake Delhomme had a very similar situation well, back yeah. in nineteen ninety three. They pulled yeah. his shirt to save their jobs. First and, game of the season, by the way. And look, yeah. look, while they, it, it is different in that regard, Jerry. You know, if you pull his red shirt, he has his entire true freshman year to learn. You're walking in as a sophomore with some reps. You're walking in with games under your belt, a full season essentially. So. It is a little bit different. You're not trying to save a regime at that point, but you are. I mean, there is a little bit of, it's a big risk, 
But if, if you know he's the guy, right? If you know he's the guy, and I'm going to tell you, just looking at him, he looks the part. And look, again, I'm not advocating for a quarterback change. This is just a theoretical, hypothetical situation. Hypothetical we're just discussing for fun out. because we're fans. You know, I, look, I got full confidence in the other two guys. Figure, figure it out. Anyway, just to say, he looks the part. You know he's athletic beyond anything we have at the, at the position now. Fact of the matter is he's raw. Fact of the matter is a lot of what he did in high school was escape, make plays, be creative. I think he would thrive in the offense. Even right now, I think he would thrive in the offense. Levi did the same thing. In Levi high did the same thing. Did the same thing. Actually, I think Zion has a better arm, in my opinion, from the film I watched in high school. I thought he has a. I think he has a better arm. But again, it, it's the thing that made Levi so great were the intangibles. Levi was very smart on the field. Um, the question is, can Zion take his ability and tame it a little bit to to raise his football IQ a little bit at the level of a college quarterback? So that's yet to be seen. I trust he can. Um, I know this coaching staff is going to be training him well this season to learn about that. But no, I, look, I, I'll be honest with I'll be honest with you, Josh. If we have an if there's an issue where you've got two quarterbacks who've waited their turn for three years that struggle, then we have a lot bigger problem in the quarterback depth chart than what we thought. If Ben and Chandler can't get it done, to where you have to pull a freshman's red shirt, that that would tell me that you know we better go start recruiting some more quarterbacks because if you got two quarterbacks with that type of experience who are struggling, obviously something's wrong on that depth chart. Before we move on to next segment, I want to give a shout out to women's basketball who just dropped their non-conference schedule. Got together with the guys. We figured we would give them some pub because they deserve it. Shout out to, to, uh, to Gary for putting together a good non-conference home schedule. Uh, very important to a lot of fans out there. Uh, on both sides of the basketball, but the women did a great job. And we are told that LSU is going to be coming back to the Cajun Dome soon. That is not on the non-conference schedule this year, but apparently there there are uh, things afoot in that regard. So I have it pulled up. Just give me one second and I'll do that. Uh, let's see. We're versus Houston and we're at Texas. So we got Houston coming to the Dome to play the ladies in 2022. So that should be a pretty nice draw. Houston women's basketball has been pretty, uh, pretty successful lately, but you know that's the kind of G5 that we want to be associated with. No matter what the sport is, tennis, soccer, women's basketball, football, we want to have a great relationship with that administration and that athletic department. So this is a really nice get for, for Gary. So I want to applaud him. He's going to Texas also. We're going to, have, uh, we're going to go to Colorado. Uh, let's see, Jackson State. And then we're going to have Texas Tech come to the Dome at Jackson State and then Texas Tech coming to the Dome. That's a P5 opponent, a good history of women's basketball. And it's, it's, a, it's a good get. It's, you post that to your social sites or you put a billboard around town, you're going to attract fans to the Dome. I think it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic job by Gary, who is a relentless worker. And I just felt like he, he needed to get a shout out out of this. I mean, and what's cool about that, too, about playing Colorado, Jackson State, Texas Tech, that's the preseason women's NIT. That's pretty cool. Yeah, thank I mean, you. Thank I, you for saying I'm that. Just I was in, just I just read that. Good job. I'm just impressed that we're bringing a Big 12 team to the Cajun Dome. I mean, last year we brought LSU. The year before, I think we brought – we've brought – I know Gary's brought Houston a few times. Uh, I think Mississippi State has come to the Cajun Dome. We brought yes. Auburn. You know, those are good games. We'll go – we'll return no the trip. That. We return the trip to Auburn uh, this year. We're going to go to Auburn. So Gary has has really elevated the program in recent years. You know, you're you're one game away from winning a Sun Belt championship. 
to go to the dance just what was that 2020 or 2019 just recently played really good ball and made some noise in the women's NIT you know they've won a couple of postseason well they won that uh, I don't remember the name of the tournament that was the WCIT, wasn't it? WCIT, w- right, right, right. CBI, one of them, yeah. It's a similar type tournament, but... Right, you won it twice, two years in a row. Won it twice, had some really good uh, really good postseason play. People showed up to the Dome, they did a great job. So, giving a shout-out to Gary for doing right by the fans, rewarding them with home games that they can show up and be excited about and be proud of to be Raging Cajun women's basketball fans. So... We felt like Gary needed to uh, to be shouted out. On to more football. Depth chart was released today for football. Nobody uh, that shouldn't be on there, even Kabodi wasn't on the uh, the injured reserve, but Mike said in his press conference, don't expect to see him play. They want to protect him because they know what kind of weapon he could be later. I am interested to see with Kabodi out what the younger backs that have shown a lot Williams and Washington have shown a lot in my view. I mean, we haven't been able to run the ball consistently, but when we've opened some holes, both of those guys have been really effective. Kabodi is a loss. Don't get me wrong. But I think it opens up some opportunities for some young guys uh, to to go ahead and shine. And I think this is going to be a good opportunity for them. ULM has not played good defense, but you got to look at who they played. I mean, Alabama, it speaks for itself. You know, there's nothing to be said. And then uh, Texas. Texas is a team that almost beat Alabama. So both of these teams are very similar in the, the physicality that they play with and the level of talent, obviously. It's hard to gauge what they're going to do, but they've struggled on, on third down, especially third and long. I want to stay out of third and long because I don't know if the offense that we run is going to be particularly effective in a third and long situation. But the way you do that is you control the time of possession by running the football. I want to see more of an emphasis, as I say every week, on running the football and throwing it to the tight end. That's all I want to see. When they stop you, then you can get away with it. Then you can open it up. If you want to stop that neutralize, you want to neutralize the pass rush, we have been susceptible to the pass rush. Want to neutralize it? Let's throw a screen. Let's throw a bubble. Let's let's run a jet. Let's throw in some trickery for all I care. I just want to see a more dedicated approach to establishing dominance at the line of scrimmage. I understand the offensive line struggles. Totally get it. But we are more healthy on the offensive line right now than we have been in the first three games. Lance Burton is coming back. Uh, Burton has, is coming back. He'll get more reps. Hopefully, that will provide a little bit more cohesion on the offensive line. I don't think individually we've been playing really poorly outside of maybe one guy that I won't name. But I think as we... We, we have to start plugging and playing guys that know how to work together, okay? The five equals one mentality that Jeff Norrid and, and Looney uh, put together and Rob Sale and all those guys, that was so important and so vital in the success of our offensive lines in the past four years. We got to get back to that. Something has been lost. We got to find the guys that will play well together so that we can dominate the line of scrimmage. Anyway, the depth chart looks... We're pretty healthy. There's really no reason to be worried about health and any of that. So, Jerry, is there anything that you need to see out of a healthy team this week that uh, we're really missing? Or is there anybody that you expected to uh, – did you see anything on the depth chart that made you raise your eyebrow? 
Not really. It pretty much looked very similar to last uh, last week. I like the fact that Jacob Cabote's in the in the in the lineup. I think uh, Coach Dez had alluded to the fact that he wasn't as hurt as they thought he was, which is great because I think it would be this is going to be a great weekend for our offensive line. Like I've said before, to really see if they can improve and get better and build up a run game this week. I think the run game is very important this week, uh, especially that's it, when it's led by the offensive line. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've noticed guys like Chris Smith, he takes a carry or a sweep to the right. He can't get to the line of scrimmage because you have two or three defenders in his face. I mean, that's not the type of offense we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing ground and pound. But again, I mean, just to give you a, a little perspective, if you look at the 2019 offensive line, there are three guys on our starting offensive line from 2019 that are now starting in the NFL. So when you lose guys like that, when you lose guys to injuries, when you lose guys to the portal, um, you know, we have a, we have a lot to replace. And so hopefully if, if we can, you know, show some improvement, get some experience, the guys continue to work together and, and just get better. Uh, this is a week where I think they can really show out and, and open up the run game. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the run game can do. You know, Chris Smith, Kabodi, uh, I want to see a little bit of Terrence Williams in the mix. Heck, put some put put Dre in. Let Dre get some carries. I mean, like like Corey said, yeah, Draylon Washington. I mean, he's a he's a great running back. I was kind of surprised he didn't get reps last week. Um, he's he's you know he's one of those guys that is kind of under the radar, but when he goes, he he plays. And so um, I hope to see him in in the rotation this weekend. I just think we need to kind of build that ground and pound offense that we're known for, and I think ULM's the perfect opportunity to do that. My favorite run the whole game was Chris Smith. He was pissed off on that 22-yard run for a touchdown. That is the most pissed off I've seen Chris Smith run the football. And that, I know it didn't spark the team at the time, but it showed me something. It showed him, like, he wasn't going to go down. You know, he wasn't going to go down easy. We might lose this game, but he's still going to fight. I like that fight out of Chris, and I think he had, uh, uh, he tweeted out something after the game alluding to the fact that, you know, it's all right. We're, we're going to come back. This may be the best thing that happened to us. You know, alluded. He didn't say that, but he alluded to it. I like seeing that. I, I think um, we need his leadership right now and we need all, all of the guys to step up. So, um, so yeah, not, not a whole lot on the, on the depth chart that concerns me, obviously, because we're healthy and then we need to be healthy right now going into conference. Jerry, you commented about Kabodi. He's not going to play. Des basically said in the presser this afternoon that he don't expect him to play. They want to protect him, and they should because we need him. I think you got plenty in, in Williams and Washington. They can carry the load. You still got some young guys behind them. You got Xylan uh, Perry from uh, what is that? He's from around here. People are very high on him. I don't know if he's going to take a red shirt, but you still got him that can can take reps. Uh, but I think they're going to. Based on what Des said in the presser this afternoon, I don't expect to see Kabodi. But okay, so he so he's on the depth chart. He's just not going to play. Right, similar to how Trey was last week. That's fair. Look, or we, two I weeks mean, ago, if, if that's what it takes to keep him healed up. I mean, this is the beginning of conference play. We got a long ways to go. We're only on game number four. I'll take it. I'll take it because, you know, like you said, Terrence and Drake can get more reps. I mean, Chris Smith can't do it all by himself, man. I mean, we know that. Right. We know that, you know, and, and so, you know, Terrence Williams actually looked really good against Southeastern. I thought he was able to, to read a lot of holes that, you know, I was very surprised with that because, he you know, he really didn't have much experience, but he has good field vision. So I think that's a good opportunity for him. And, of course, I mean, everybody talks about Dre. He's a sleeper. I think Coach Dez, uh, I think he mentioned one time he's kind of like an Imani Bailey. You know, you don't know much about him until he hits the field. 
then you're like, you know, you ask yourself, who's that guy? So if you're comparing guys like that to Amani Bailey, I think Dre's going to, uh, I'm telling you, I'm excited to see what he can do. I hope he gets some reps this weekend. I like him too. I, I don't like Chris in the feature back position. I think Chris is good when he gets 10, 12, 15 carries. I don't want to see him get more than that. I think that he does his best work by breaking big plays. And he's just that type of guy. He's going to take some risks, but he's going to hit some home runs. I think your feature back is a Williams or a Washington. I think Washington has the potential also to do it. Well, Chris Smith, Chris Smith is one of those type of uh, backs. He kind of reminds me of when he was like Elijah Mitchell. He can be a receiver or a running back. He's tall, he's lanky, but he's got strong legs and he's fast. So, you know, you don't want to see a guy like that going in between tackles and getting all bruised up and beaten up you want to see him go on the outside I mean look that touchdown he made against Eastern Michigan the other uh last week not last week but the week before last he bounced off of the tackle and went to the outside and outran the entire Eastern Michigan secondary I mean that's what he does a lot of his touchdowns are to the sideline or in the flat somewhere where he just takes off in the second level so hopefully that uh, hopefully this week I, I would I'd be interested to see how we utilize him now that Kabodi is out um, are we going to use him more in the open field or are we going to kind of keep him in between tackles? I think personally, I like to see him uh, on the open field and let uh, Terrence Williams and, and Dre Washington get more in between tackles. I think that'd be a perfect mix. To Nick's point, Chris had a, a mean run for the touchdown that was should have sparked the team, but did not. Uh, but he I, I felt like he was trying to be that back. And, and maybe he has it in him. I'm not saying he's not capable. I'm saying that I prefer to watch him take the chances like you the decoy the I don't know what the position would be called but the way that Reggie Bush was used the way a Rondell Moore uh, at Purdue was used that type of guy that's who he is to me he's your home run hitter and we need to set the offense up to be able to hand him the football and outrun people shake people you know I don't know I, I just think that I think Williams and Washington are the guys to tote the rock and I think Chris is the one to deliver the knockout punch that's kind of the way i see it but uh but anyway nick uh if you have it pulled up i'm ready to learn about ulm got a few thoughts but uh let's let's see what they're about maybe a few numbers and uh we'll go from there yeah ulm's not going to be as bad as the score reflected in their first and third game against texas and and alabama obviously because they're texas or alabama and they they beat uh they beat nichols by a pretty good margin but nichols is 0-3 they don't look great this season it's going to be interesting again i think we're going to be their first real test of a a peer team this season they they have a, a quarterback obviously chandler rogers um uh, that we i think we mentioned his name earlier he's efficient and he can run the ball he's got 122 rushing yards this season funny stat adding to that he's also got 53 yards negative yards this season and that's because his offensive line he, he's been sacked so many times again when you consider you're playing Alabama and Texas that that's to be expected but this is a trend from last year they they allowed a lot allowed a lot of sacks on the quarterback last year so Rodgers is going to Rodgers is going to complete his passes but he's also going to move the ball with his feet um as I said that tells you right there 122 yards of rushing uh, but of course, depth is a concern on the O-line. They allow a lot of sacks. The second season in a row, they do that. Seven sacks for 47 yards lost this season. So are, the question is, are we going to take advantage of that? I mean, I get we like to rush three and try to pressure with three or four, but but we got we to gotta make him nervous in the pocket earlier in the game. Otherwise, he's just going to run it all up on us if we don't do that as, as we go down 
downhill in the second half of the game. They want to spread the ball around. Uh, big concern last week, it seems like we committed to playing zone defense and and between the 20s, and we've got to uh, – we. I don't think that I think we're going to be in trouble again because we can't allow uncontested throws on drag routes and curl routes with the guys playing five yards off of them. They've got, uh, I think they've got like eight or nine wide receivers on the roster. Like they are super deep at wide receiver and all of them have catches on the season. So again, uh, we're going to have to, our defensive backs are going to have to play um, prefer man to man. I don't like the zone stuff because if you get third and short, short, then what scares me about that is Chandler's so good at running the ball, he can pick that up, and then they've got a new set of downs. Um, defensively, they've got big, big concerns in the secondary. They lost five defensive backs last season with starting experience. So we're going to have receivers that are open, but their defensive line lacks some depth. But they, like you said, Josh, they've got experience, and we've seen our offensive line struggle with protecting the quarterback. So they'll need to step up this week against an experienced D, uh, D line. Um, Rice's def- defensive line brought pressure. They created chaos, and and we can't let let ULM do that this week. Again, we can't give them hope. They've upset Liberty, and I forget who the other team was last season. I think it was Troy at Warhawk Field last season, and that's how they did it. And and we can't allow ourselves to be in that position, giving them hope later in the game like we did to Rice. Rice kept it close. Rice had the lead going in the fourth quarter, and they pulled away, and we can't do that against ULM this week. I, I do feel a little bit better in this game than I did against Rice because I, I feel like Rice is the better team. But again, like I said, they beat Liberty. They shouldn't have. They beat Troy. They shouldn't have. Both of them have happened at Warhawk Field. And you know they're going to be trying to prove to themselves and to the rest of the conference that they're ready to step it up. And so um, uh, I just I hope we're not dominated in the trenches. I don't think we will be this week. But if we allow them again to to put pressure on our quarterback, to disrupt throws, to if we allow Chandler to run free, uh, the other Chandler to run free, then it's going to be a long night for us. It's a different kind of I'm worried. They, they worry me for a different reason. And before we get into ULM, let me just say this. If you guys are looking to call the show, I've gotten a bunch of questions about that. Call the hotline. And leave a voicemail and we'll play your comment and then we'll react to it. The number is 337-761-6561. Anyway, one thing that one thing that stood out to me that Mike said was that ULM does a lot of different uh, they do a lot of different packages on defense, and it's some pretty sophisticated stuff. Sophisticated defenses with a struggling quarterback can snow, they can snowball. If, if Chandler starts to get into a rhythm and he wants to, you know, obviously if I'm Mike, and I, this is not rocket science, but if I'm Mike, I want to get Chandler, Chandler into a rhythm early. A couple of easy throws, hit, hit the, the running back out of the flat, hit, find a tight end over the middle, whatever you got to do. Something that he's very confident in, something easy, right? That's what I want to see him do early, okay? So if we can get that done and get him some confidence and just get back into the, the flow of things, great. If we can't, and he's still searching, the last thing you want is a new quarterback like that searching. Second game on the road, you just felt like you had a disappointing performance. Fan base is looking for a win, all that stuff, right? The last thing that I want him to do is start second-guessing himself against a defense that plays lots of deceptive coverages. Cannot do that. That's one of those things that can get out of control. You start throwing picks, you start turning the football over. That would be worst-case scenario, 
And if you give them any amount of feeling that they can compete with us at their place while we're down, while they smell blood, that could be really bad. That's exactly what happened last week. It's exactly what happened. They smell blood in the water. They took it to us. They dominated us for, you know, two and a half quarters. And they said, oh, crap, we could actually win this. And then they really, they turned it on. Um, we got, we cannot allow them to control the, the time of possession. Like we cannot let Chandler Rogers again, we can't get, if they get into third and short and Chandler runs the ball and Rogers gets another first down and then they, they do this thing where they hand off or they get short passes and they complete and they dominate the time of possession. That's going to, again, be trouble for us because all they have to do is bring pressure and as we saw last week, we didn't play well when our quarterback was under pressure. And that can lead to bad things at the end of the ballgame. So uh, it's it's not rocket science, but we just have to execute. And I think that's the big part, part of this whole thing is if we execute like we can execute, like we did against Eastern Michigan in the second half of the game, then it's an easy win. But if we don't, it's going to be a long night. Don't extend drive. No, don't let them extend drives. Keep them off the field. Do not let them extend drives. That that's how. I mean, really, that's how the the whole time of possession was so one sided last week. Was that we just like you said, we got into the third and shorts. We let them convert, and at that point, we were just getting out schemed, and all hell broke loose. So just don't let them extend drives. And, and offensively, you know, be disciplined, stay disciplined. Don't make and don't make don't make careless penalty mistakes. That that was that 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 killed us last week. The 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 pettiness, the pet the offsides calls, the false starts, the holdings. Uh that's one thing that I want to see as well. We we can't commit careless penalties that either extend their drives, give them a first down like it did last week with that field goal by the way, even though the game might have been out of reach, you extended their drive, you allowed them to get into the end zone or uh, offensively, where if you make a good play, you don't commit a holding call like like on that fourth, that crucial fourth down play, which was questionable, by the way, but it was still a penalty. So, I mean, th- really, it's 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 the carelessness of it all. It's it's the pettiness of it all that we have to avoid. Um, I think if we play our brand of football and we stay focused and and not make the little mistakes, I think we'll be okay. Um, you just can't you just can't let uh, ULM capitalize on the on those little things. James, what's up, man? What's happening, guys? Good, man. It's going well. Thanks for calling. Thanks for watching. Yeah, I just wanted to say, first of all, um, damn, y'all look handsome, man. <laughs> Do our best. I figured you I would know, get. They, they I, I, fig- I figured I would get a couple of comments about the faceless buffoon shirt, but it's been a dud. Yeah, they say the camera adds ten pounds, but I gotta say, guys, I think it just makes y'all look like a ten. <laughs> I'll take it. Man, flattery will get you everywhere. Um, <laughs> really, I just had one question, uh, and really that was about Trey Amos. Uh, do you guys know what the story is on him? Is he going to be playing this uh, this weekend or what? He's good. He's fine. He's got to get back to game shape, so it's going to take some time. I don't expect him to play the same amount of snaps that he would typically play. You know, obviously he hadn't he hadn't been in game shape. So I think it'll be fine. He's going to play. He's fine. Just we got to get him back up to speed. Did, did he get some snaps? I didn't even notice if he got snaps last week. Oh, yeah. He was on the field yes, uh, last week on Saturday. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I had, guys. Uh, I just want to say, too, man, I, pre- I really appreciate you guys doing this, man. I love the show. Uh, we've been needing this for a long time. Y'all have a good night. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you very much. Mom is listening, 
and she said I had to mention her at some point, but she, I will, I will do that right now when I say that she will appreciate you saying how handsome I am. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we all know how she feels about me, so <laughs> we'll leave that alone. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll like, maybe she thinks Jerry's handsome. <laughs> Look, it's an equal opportunity show here. Eric is asking about uh, Burton. Burton is, again, he's another one of those guys that's kind of working his way back into the rotation. He's healthy, but we, we got to get him in game shape. So uh, that's how much he'll play. Don't know. I think that if he's a full go and he can, you know, if he's, I don't want to say the kid's not going to, you know, be able to stick it out because he's tired. That's, it's really unfair to do it. Game, game speed is totally different than practice speed or, or training camp or anything like that. It's just a totally different animal. So if he can, if he can, if he's up to it, I'm sure he'll play. Uh, but he, he will play to a certain degree. I just don't know how much it'll be. Jerry, you have any thoughts on uh, Burton? Did you, did they say anything about the lunch, uh, about him at the luncheon? I don't know. Mike didn't talk about him in the press conference. Not really. I haven't heard anything about him. Uh, it would be nice to get him back, though. When I talk about injuries, when I talk about uh, lack of depth on the offensive line and lack of experience, I, I include guys like Burton because he is a huge asset for us. And I think having him back sooner than later would be a huge help in helping this offensive line improve. Um, I do know that he is on the depth chart, which is good. Now, how much playtime he'll get, I don't know. I'm sure this is a day-to-day uh, -day situation. I'm sure they're analyzing that at practice this week. Um, I'm not sure how many reps he's getting or anything like that, but hopefully it'll be a lot more than we expect because having him back in the lineup on that line would be a really big help. I mean, it happened a couple of times last year when uh, I, I think it was Torrance that went out for two games. The offensive line was totally different. No, now you saw that. Yeah. It, he, it, now he's it, a great was, talent. Don't get me wrong. It's probably not a great analogy, but you can see how one, just one piece of that five when it, when it, isn't there or when it's somebody else or whatever it can change the flow of the entire offensive line well of course i remember I, look when i remember when armstead was hurt for the saints i mean we we, we couldn't have we didn't have any run game after that for a while i mean you, you know the number of times the number of times breeze used to take a sack it was because somebody in the o-line was out you know you see that difference i mean one guy they always talk about the five equals one it makes sense I mean, that, that there's truth behind that no question Oh man, I, you know, and we always played so much worse with when Andrews Pete was in the game. I mean, yeah, in the game. <laughs> Whenever he played. Yes, you got that right. In the game. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, but but going back to you, Alim, if they're going to play a sophisticated defense, I don't want the opportunity for for Chandler to lose confidence early and then it snowball. That would be terrible. If we can't sustain drives, doesn't matter how bad their offense their offense is and how good our defense is, it's not going to be good. It's going to look a lot like last week, like you said, Nick. I, I think that they're capable offensively. Here's the thing I'm worried about with ULM. I don't think they can be consistently good. They just don't have the athletes. But they can be really good on a week-to-week, -week, or not, not a week-to-week -week basis, but every now and then. They can jump up and get you. It happened last year. They jumped up and got a couple. Of, you mentioned Troy. There was a couple of wins that nobody saw coming, and they did. This is not, this is not the Colton Browning ULM Warhawks, but it's certainly not the end of the tenure right before uh, before Bowden got there. It's not that. This is something else. They have the ability to beat you. You know, th this is not going to be out of left field if they come and compete with us. And, and, and ultimately, look, do I think we're going to lose to ULM? Of course I don't. Do I think it's a possibility? Of course I do. 
Of course, it's a possibility. We're strapping up like we have we our problems are in positions that can really affect how the overall team plays and how effective they can be. You cannot move the football if you have an offensive line that's struggling. It's not possible. So, look, if they know that they can exploit that, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, look at the look at ULM last year. I mean, we only beat them by five in our at our in Cajun Field at our place. A few weeks before that, they go to Baton Rouge and give that team give the team to the East every everything they can get. I mean, look, they they had the ball on the one yard line, couldn't score. If they score that touchdown, it's a six point game. So they're they're not afraid to play anybody. They're not afraid to play teams. They're not afraid to. They don't back down. Uh, Terry Bowden's built a lot of confidence in this program over the last year, and so they're going to come out. They're going to come out swinging. I mean, look, they always gun for us. They always want to beat us. I mean, they have a little extra pep in their step when they take the field against us. So, you know, they haven't beaten us at Malone Stadium at their home place. We've we've owned that place since 2004. So, there. This is there's a sense of vulnerability they might smell in our team. Hopefully, our team doesn't fall for it. But you know, you never. I mean, look. For the number of years we've played ULM, even at home, we haven't beaten them by double digits at home. They always give us a game, always. So this isn't the Cajuns team of 2020. This is the 2022 Cajuns, and I don't expect a lopsided score like it was two years ago when we went down there. And and they definitely are not the same team as they were back then either. But look, we we broke a streak for Rice. I mean, they hadn't won a game uh, against an out-of-conference FBS opponent in 19 since 2015. So I, I think the, that ULM's licking their chops. They're, they're probably laughing at the fact that, hey, these guys just lost to Rice. Like, we got a shot. That's so it. going to come in. Exactly. There, and they want to prove a point, and they don't like us. There's a lot going against us right as we, we go through the gate. The worst thing we can do is, is let them have the ball first, and they drive down the field and score. Like, that, to me, will be a complete – that will deflate me as a fan going, oh, crap, here again. We have got to be aggressive at starting at the first whistle to the last whistle because if we don't, if we let up and let them have, as we you said, Josh, and I said, if we let them have any inclination that they can hang with us, it's going to be a long night. So outside of, outside of the 2005 trip when we beat them by 30 uh, up there, 2008, 2010, 2012, 2014, I want to say 2018 as well. I I use those games as examples when we went up to Monroe. It was always the same pattern. We would score early. We would start quick. First drive, first two drives, we'd get seven, ten points on the board. And then usually ULM would come back and kind of grind their way. They'd get a touchdown drive going, and they kind of get back into the game. And then usually between the second and third quarter, it would be basically a fist fight between both teams, like not a literal fist fight, but it would just be back and forth. And usually in the fourth quarter, somehow the Cajuns would pull it off, whether it was a ULM mishap. I know in 2018, they missed the field goal to lose. Uh, 2014, I think the Cajuns created a big turnover with a minute left. In 2012, we were up three, and then they blitzed all 11, and we threw that touchdown pass to, to – to, to pad the score a little bit, but every single one of those games in Monroe, in spite of us winning, have all been pretty close. And it's all because between that second and third quarter, uh, the Cajuns were able to not let ULM kind of pull away. Even when ULM was making a run, they never really pulled away. And then the Cajuns would find a way to just kind of outman them in the fourth quarter. 
I see very, I see a lot of similarities to that this year. I see the sim, a lot of similarities to that on Saturday. I think the Cajuns are going to have to start off fast, start off quick, get on the board on them early because ULM is going to creep on back. That second and third quarter, they're going to kind of go toe to toe, and the Cajuns are going to have to find a way to win in the fourth. Whether it's out conditioning them, whether it's out coaching them, whether it's out, whether it's making a play, maybe taking advantage of a of a ULM mishap. What you don't want to do is you don't want to let ULM. Uh, make the final play. Uh, they did it against Troy last year where they had that pick six to put the game away. They did it against Liberty where they actually came back down by uh, down by a lot uh, to take the lead and uh, get that interception off Malik Willis in the fourth quarter. It's, I'm telling you guys, this game's going to be, it's going to be a grind. It is going to be a grind. Do I feel confident we're going to win? Yeah, I do think we'll respond, but I don't think it's going to be one of those games where we pull away. I just don't see it. Throw the damn ball to the damn tight end. Yes. If you do that consistently in the game and we get them involved, we can't throw it to Jefferson every pass. I mean, that's what we tried to do last week, and that didn't work. Throw the damn ball to the damn tight end. We saw it hap- what happened in the first and second game. We had a lot of success there. We can do it again. Don't get away from your game plan. Print the shirts. Throw it to the tight end. That's going to be our first, like, Region review exclusive. It's gonna just say throw it to the tight end. Uh, what is it? Eric Eric Dillo asking about uh, players that have impressed. I, I think that the cornerback Anderson. Somebody else said the same thing. Anderson, a uh, big, good looking kid. Uh, number eleven had a pick six this past week. I think that he looks. I mean, he looks fierce in man coverage. Uh, I like him a whole lot. I think in the Sun Belt, that guy is gonna be a blanket. Um, young, but doesn't matter. Look, you put your best athletes on the field at this point. I think that we need to return to our. Man press, aggressive style defense. I thought that the defensive line, all things considered, play a little bit better against Rice. The, the defensive line has a very good opportunity to go out and, and beat ULM's offensive line because they're not good. They're okay, but they have very limited depth. And if the defensive line does what we know they can do and we cycle through some guys, I want to see some snaps for Sonny Hazard, who's never on the field. I don't know if he's full. I don't, is he... Have you have you heard anything about an injury or anything? Who's supposed to be full go? Anyway, I don't know what's going on there, but I want to see that I want to see our defensive line really start to impose their will. It's time. I think that ULM's defensive backfield is bad. Their secondary is not it's not good. If we if our passing game struggles on Saturday, we really got to take a look in the mirror. Because this is a bad secondary. There's no two ways about it. Go ahead and look at the numbers. You go ahead and, and look. They've played some teams that it's hard to, to really measure what they can do. I'm just telling you, these guys struggled last year, and they're struggling now. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I expect I fully expect our passing attack to see some success on the field on Saturday. I think that we, this is a golden opportunity. Establish the line of scrimmage dominance. Run the football. Use the tight end. And just hold on to the ball and... and I'm going to be disappointed if it takes until the fourth quarter to beat this team. I think we're better than them in every unit. Now, Chandler Rogers is going to give him an opportunity because he's mobile. He can move. The fact that their offensive line is bad, uh, it kind of allows him to be a little bit more creative back there. So that he's going to he's going to give him a chance to score, I think. Again, defensive secondary is the backbone of the team. Let them do what they do. Press, be aggressive, go get the quarterback, run the football. I don't see I don't see us losing the game with that formula. I just think we're so much better than they are. They're picked to be last in the West for a reason. That's just, just kind of how I see it. I mean, I understand that this game's gonna be won in the in the mental department. This is a psyche game. 
They see us weak. I mean, it's still a conference game, but it's ULM. You know, how, how much can you get up for ULM as a player? I'm not sure. We've dominated them. And I'm, th- this, is, this is just theory stuff. I don't know if that's how the guys think. I'm just saying you can see on paper, like if I'm a better and I'm looking at if I'm going to lay the points or not, these are the things I'm thinking of, right? So it's, it's going to be one in the brain. This, this Saturday game is going to be an upstairs game. And I want to see us come out mad. We just lost the game for the first time in a long time. I want to see these guys pissed off, especially senior leaders that have been around here that know how we do things. I think that that is going to be something to look out for. I want to see them pissed off, but I want to see them composed. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't play this stupid game where if somebody mouths off to you, you push them and you get the flag. They are going to be baiting our guys into penalties just like we saw Rice do last week because they know we'll take the bait. Don't take the bait this week. Yeah, uh, to Jacob's point here, you can see his his uh, his comment at the bottom. I've been surprised with the lack of rotation on the defensive line. You know, I, you didn't see a whole lot of Marcus Weiser this past week. No, and I expected him. To, I was hoping he would have a big game, but we only rushed three for most of the game. Yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> don't get me started. But I found him to be an impact player, and he but deserved. What but what happened last week when we put pressure on the quarterback? He made mistakes. And then we were just like, you know what? We'll just play zone. You know, and then going back and kind of looking at it again, you know, you think, shit, 40 minutes of possession is is not, that's insane. So, you know, they, they, they had to be gassed. They had to be. It's insane, but at the same time, we were still in the game with nine minutes to go. And that's why, that's why I'm not jumping off a building about this thing. We can't play much worse. We can't play much worse than that, and we still, honestly, I believe that if we don't have the Johnny Lumpkin phantom holding call and we make the field goal, I still think we win the game for as bad as we played. I mean, not to mention after that touchdown by Chris Smith, they get the ball and uh, McMahon throws one right down the seam. I mean, literally at the fingertips of Chris Moncrief, could have picked it off, could have tipped it. Who knows? They might have had to punt it or might have committed a turnover, giving us the ball back in their territory, and we could have scored and gone ahead. You just don't know. I mean, like you said, we couldn't have played much worse than we did, and we were still in the game with less than 10 minutes to go um, in the fourth quarter. So, no, look, play discipline. Like you said, it's an upstairs game. Play discipline. Find a way to make up. Be angry. Make up for what happened last week. But do it by setting the tone early. You don't want to wait till the second half. You don't want to go do what you did against Eastern Michigan. As much as I liked what we did in the second half against Eastern Eastern Michigan, we're on game number four, and we've still yet to play a full game. We we still have not played a full game. So, um, well, I guess golden opportunity. I would argue. Weekend. I would argue that we played a full game against Rice. It was fully bad. Yeah. <laughs> let's go back, but interesting. Let's go back to Eastern Michigan. They just beat Arizona State. How about that? But hey, did, did you read that? So, of course, Herm Edwards gets fired. But did you hear or did you read that apparently word is getting out that the coaching staff for Arizona State were maybe leaking some things out because yeah. they wanted to get rid of Edwards? So they, they, they pulled away Forrest. Yeah, some game plans may have gotten out to Eastern Michigan. So initially I was like, oh, man, Eastern Michigan's better than we thought. I'm like, well, maybe not. No, they just got way forested. <laughs> That's terrible, man. They they hated that guy so much they started giving away game plan. That's so terrible. <laughs> Jerry, did you see that? I read about it. It makes me wonder, like, what did he do or say 
or make them like do as a staff that would make them go that far. Because remember, when a coach gets fired, the staff gets fired with them. So, I mean, for them to say, hey, look, we don't like our jobs either. Here's the game plan. He must have done something that. Uh, he took Billy Napier's job. That's what he did. <laughs> it's frowned upon. Oh, yeah. They have buyer's remorse. And look, the other thing is that they, they were under uh, investigation from the FBI or something. I don't even know what. I, I don't know if it was play, paying players or what they were doing, but there was already some bad stuff going on. And I feel bad for Herm. He seems like a good guy. Well, not good enough if you have your own coaching staff uh, going all Judas on you and giving the, giving the other team your playbook and your schemes. God, President and AD met him on the field. And the you saw it? And said, we need to have a conversation, brother. <laughs> Somebody tweeted out, I wonder if this is the exact moment that they fired him. <laughs> he got kiffined, except yes. it was on the field, not at the tarmac. Right. <laughs> All right, so before we get to men, I tell you what, we're going to talk about the league real quick. JMU playing App State on Saturday. That's a very interesting game to me. JMU I'm, looks unstoppable offensively. App State coming off of a very emotional weekend, almost losing to Troy, Miracle on the Mountain Part 2, College Game Day, all that stuff. Those guys have got to be emotionally spent. And JMU, I'm, I, I don't know. I got a feeling that that game is not going to go like people think it's going to go. What do you got, Jerry? I th- look, JMU's coming off a bye. They're the leading scoring team. And now, granted, they've played, I think, Norfolk Stake and Middle Tennessee. But, I mean, Middle Tennessee put a number on, uh, I forgot who they put a number on this week, but they, they beat a pretty good team this week. And so, look, they're JMU, like you said, apps coming off an emotional win or wins. JMU's going in with a lot to prove and nothing to lose. I think that game's going to actually be really, really fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, that That's going to be a very interesting matchup. Uh, you got two offenses that can score. Uh, you've got – and I, I'm, cur- I'm more curious to see what the app defense does against JMU's offense. I want to see if they can stop them because, look, we kind of threw JMU under the bus a little bit just because they're a new team in the FBS and they're a new team of the Sun Belt. Not taking away any respect – uh, that of what they've accomplished in the FCS, but to come up in one year and do what they what they can do, it's I mean, look, they they're picking up from where they left off at the FCS by blowing teams out. So, yeah, if I'm coach if if I'm Coach Clark at, at App State, I'm telling the guys, look, yes, we've won some emotional games, but stay focused, stay level because this team is they're, they're sniffing blood. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious about that game. I, 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 I am too. Try to watch that a little bit and see what see how that matches, how the matchups go. What's that? To me, it's the most interesting game in the league this week. And shout out to Stu. He, you see his comment down there. So we met Stu uh, for the Sunbelt Championship game here in Lafayette. Great guy, great hang. Uh, thanks for listening, by the way, Stu. Yeah. J, JMU can pass the football, and to his point, App State has given up some yards in the passing game. So. That's a very interesting matchup. Now, they did shut down A&M, but A&M also just made a quarterback change. Uh, so, by the way, did they lose to Miami at home? No, no they, they beat them. Oh, they won. Man, I was hoping yeah, that Coach O showed up, by the way, in his Of Miami course he did. Trader for us, right? He was a big Raging Cajun fan a couple weeks ago, and then all of a sudden now he's wearing Miami gear. But. So, can we cut out the mascot talk about Coach O? But uh, <laughs> anyway, no, JMU, look, they scored the hell out of the ball and they're going to pass the ball. Think about if you're at, right? You have that gut-wrenching loss to UNC at home. I mean, what a game. 
how exhausted did you have to be? Then you go to A&M, pull off the unthinkable, all right? Then you come home and need a Hail Mary to beat Troy and game day and all the pub and everything. They've got to be exhausted. I mean, think about the... the it, look, it's, it's been a great ride for them. Don't, don't get me wrong, but every week has been just emotional and in, the energy just has to be sucked out of you after something like that. You got JMU coming, and JMU wants to make a statement. Brand new to the Sun Belt. They know App State. They're an old playoff rivalry. Man, that, that is some interesting football for me. Are, are they excited? Yeah, they probably are the next couple of days. But, I mean, they showed last week they found a way to win. As, as much of a miracle it was, they pulled it out. They found a way to beat. I mean, they should have beat UNC the first week. So, I think the confidence is there that they can win any game on their schedule and they've shown that they can adapt and play the game of their opponent for, for better or worse. They did it against Troy, certainly did it against A&M and, and won those two games, certainly did it against UNC and happened to lose it. But they showed that if they need to air it out, if JMU's airing it out, guess what? They're going to air it out too. If they're playing a close defensive game, App State's going to play a close defensive game. They do. They have done a really good job of matching their opponent's um, game plan. So we'll see if that carries over. I still think they win the game, uh, but uh, I'm with you. I think it'll be within a touchdown. And also, too, JMU runs a spread offense with a very mobile quarterback who has a good arm and can run. So I tell you, their their defense is going to have some homework to do. They're going to have some good prep. The question is, is how fresh is JMU coming off the bye and the way they're scoring points? But on the other hand, they really have they really been challenged? I think one advantage App has is App's been challenged all three weeks. And they found ways to win the last two. Even though they lost that heartbreaker to UNC, they should kind of they should have won it. They've been challenged. So look, you're you're playing a team that yes, they're kind of it's it's a catch twenty two because yes, they're kind of worn out, but at the same time, they've played some really tough battles. Whereas has has JMU been on cruise control over the last, those first two games? I don't know, but we're gonna find out. But this will be a massive challenge for JMU. Uh, it is their conference opener as a new member of the Sun Belt, and they're going to be playing a team that is one of the standards of the conference. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. Uh, again, I'm excited about the matchup. To me, I, I, I think that's the matchup of the week for the conference, personally. I, I think I there's no doubt. I agree. Uh, imagine being an App State fan, honestly. How great is this? You know. Well, if I'm an App State fan, I'm like, can we get a break for one week? That's what give I'm saying. Break. Like, give us a give us an easy game or a break, man. Like, man, yeah. I can't take this anymore. As as a fan though, I'm like, I, uh, they've been in the Sun Belt what f- seven years now, six years. Uh, they got to be yeah. loving this, man. You got old rivalries from division or FCS now called FCS, old division rivalries that are back. The league is great. You have all these great games, all this national attention. I mean, this. That's got to be awesome to be on the mountain right now. So shout out to those guys. I'm going to be watching that game. I'll be very interested to see the uh, the outcome. I, I think I like, no offense, Stu, love you, buddy, but I think I like JMU. I think I like them. Yeah, Oof. I think I like them. Anyway, I'll, Georgia Southern. Maybe to beat the spread, but I don't see App State losing this game. Oh, man. I didn't I didn't see him having to take the Hail Mary to beat Troy either. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what the spread was. I think it was nine. Was it nine, Jerry? Do you remember? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Georgia Southern's got Ball State in Natville. I don't think they'll struggle with that. I think Georgia Southern has shown that they, they can play some ball this year. Uh, I think Helton's going to have some ups and downs, but uh, I like I like Georgia Southern. Not really too riveting of a game. I think we own the MAC. I, well, I shouldn't make any MAC jokes because Marshall just lost a Bowling Green. Anyway, 
but I won't spend too much time on that. Arkansas State and ODU. Pretty interesting game. Hmm. Conference opener for ODU. They will uh, they will host Arkansas State. I don't know what to think about Arkansas State under Butch Jones. I still don't even know how I feel about Butch Jones as a coach. I mean, he has success. He's had success at the G5 level. I don't think he was a total disaster at Tennessee. I just don't know if the rah-rah thing works like it used to. I, I don't know. The organization, his organization, the way they do things, obviously he does a decent job recruiting. I'm just not sold on his coaching ability. He, they don't scare me. But I think, I think this particular matchup is interesting because Arkansas State's going to score points. They're going to they're going to throw the football, and ODU has struggled to score points, but their defense has been outrageous. Exactly. So it's it's an interest. It's an interesting. It's an interesting matchup. You took the words right out, of, right out of my mouth, Josh. Look, ODU's defense has been solid. I mean, they played great against Virginia last week. It was a heartbreaking loss. They, their defense played great against um, Virginia Tech. I even thought they played okay against East Carolina. The offense just can't score. They just I mean, yeah, really they got ran away on they, offense. Yep. They don't really have. It's very lopsided on that team. The defense is great, but the offense is very average. Um, but. You know, the matchup is interesting because, like you said, Arkansas State can score points. And if Arkansas State gets on them early, I don't know if ODU's offense can keep up with them in spite of playing at home. I don't know if that's a good matchup for ODU. Um, the, the defense is going to have to show out and, and really play hard and play well and force some turnovers on Arkansas State to have a shot. I, I think I like Arkansas State in this one. I like Arkansas State just because I want the West – to, to beat an East division team. Yeah. We, <laughs> we honestly need yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we do need that. We need, and, and, you know, people just keep poo pooing on the West division. I want us to get some wins on the East so that they can't, you know, talk that crap all season. So um, yeah, I, I, and again, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's a great matchup for ODU. So I think it's going to be Arkansas state. This day and age, if you can score the football, you, you have an advantage. I mean, look, great defense is great, but at the same time, the rules favor offense, uh, more than ever, the the way the game is played, the pace of the game, you got to be able to score. And I, I just, you know, you go back to the Virginia Tech game. They, one of the ODU touchdowns was a special teams touchdown. I mean, they couldn't score. Now, that's an ACC school, but they really haven't lit it up offensively in any of the games they've played. So we'll see. You know, I think they have a nice team. I like their coach. I just don't know if they can score with Arkansas State. I, I think it's an interesting matchup. Southern Miss goes to Tulane. Now, that's an old matchup that they have plenty of familiarity with. Their fan Big bases rivalry. are very, rivalry. very, very, uh, uh, I'm sure that they got plenty of good memories that they can bring up during the tailgate with each other. Okay. So that, that right there will be an interesting game for many reasons, but I still think that Southern Miss is, is finding their rhythm. I thought they competed well last week. Okay. So you got to give them a little credit. They competed. But I do think that Fritz has kind of got it going in the right direction. I think Tulane's probably the better team at this point. Uh, but I won't be surprised if Southern Miss shows up and gives them a game. I, I, I don't think that's a blowout type situation. But Vegas has a spread at thirteen. Whew, two touchdown, two touchdown prediction. I don't know, man. I, I saw some stuff out of Southern Miss last week. All rivalries are one thing. I just and it's funny because you know, twenty years ago when I grew up in New Orleans, Southern Miss was the crown jewel. So every time they played Tulane, you know, Tulane would catch them once in a while, but usually Southern Miss had the upper hand. I think the rules are reversed this time. I think Southern Miss is still trying to find an identity. I think Will Hall's doing a fantastic job, but I think he has a little ways to go with this team to really get to the point of where he wants them to compete consistently. Uh, and Tulane's just hitting hitting the mark. I mean, getting that big win at Kansas State last week, you know, Willie Fritz 
He's had his ups and downs, but I think this particular team, he's got them in the right direction and where they need to be. I just don't, I just don't think Southern Miss is there yet. You know, they got to go to Tulane. They got to play at Yeoman Stadium. I like Tulane in this one. I think Southern Miss will eventually get there. I think eventually they'll be able to compete at that level. But right now, I just think they have growing pains. I just don't think it's good enough to, to win in New Orleans this weekend against, against a really good Green Wave team. I don't know a lot about Southern Miss, but I do know that I have a man crush on Frank Gore Jr. and feed the man the ball and control the clock. And if you do that, you'll have a chance to win because Tulane can put up some points. You can't give them the ball if you control the clock to give yourself a chance and and feed Frank, feed Jr. And your guys are going to be in good shape, but I still think uh, Tulane pulls it off. Yeah, I think ultimately Tulane wins the game, but I think Southern Miss will make it. I think they'll make it a game. Uh, I think Tulane's finally in the in the the mold that Willie Fritz wants. You know, he's kind of finally built his team to look the way that he wants it to look. Yeah, they they scare me a little bit. I think they actually make a little bit of noise in the A in the AAC this year. Um, South Alabama Jaguars, gross, host the Knicks. So that's I don't really root for South Alabama in anything, but I'm going to root this weekend. Although. I mean, how do you blow the UCLA game? Like, what is Womack doing? Kick the field goal, dude. What are you doing? We needed that. The belt needed that. We had a brutal weekend. We needed that. Anyway, I don't know how good Tech is. They look pretty bad. But again, I don't really pay a whole bunch of attention to them. I think South Alabama has a quality football team. If they had a coach that didn't have his head up his rectum, they probably haven't lost the game yet. But I digress. Uh, Any thoughts on Tech going to uh, Mobile? Nah, Sonny Cumbie's in the same mode as Will Hall. I mean, he's rebuilding that team. I think uh, Kane Womack finally – look, we've been saying for a while, they always had the parts. They just missed – they were always missing a quarterback or one or two skilled players, and they have that this year. Great quarterback. They've got an offense. I mean, heck, they scored. They hung 31 on UCLA. Should have hung more on them. I mean, they they – they had they had that whole they had the lead the almost the entire game against UCLA last weekend and and they should have won and so I know they're going to be upset about it I know they're going to be mad I do think I think they'll take care of Louisiana Tech this weekend oh. and and not because I'm saying that as a Cajun fan hoping for it I just don't think Louisiana Tech's there yet either I think they have growing pains as well um, look I know I don't want to think too far ahead but even next week for homecoming I know we'll talk about it next week but South Alabama scares me. They really do scare me. They, I think they finally have the team that Kane Womack has always wanted. He's got it. They've got a team with that have all three phases uh, clicking. And so I think South Alabama makes a, uh, makes a statement this week against Louisiana Tech at home. I think they get the win. Same. I think uh, the fighting Carl Malones are going down. Nice. You know, <laughs> I wonder what Tommy McClellan would think at this moment when a South Alabama team is favored by two touchdowns over the vaunted – Lollipolly Bulldogs. Well, you won't know because he's fundraising at Vandy or something, whatever he's, he's doing. He's slinging cafeteria meals. That's what he's doing. He's a janitor. Um, you know, one thing that really impressed me about South Alabama was their tackling. Man, watching that team, like you, you're playing against a Chip Kelly team. He's going to put you out in space. They made a ton of one-on-one form tackles. They made it look easy. That is going to that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. I like them a lot, much better than I thought they would be. Defensively, offensively, I think they're fine, but defensively, they they did some things that were impressive. I, I thought they were really good. Uh, Texas State, our son, uh, you know, we need to send him a postcard. <laughs> they're going to be hosting Houston Baptist this weekend. Please win. 
please win. Look, you hosted Incarnate Word last year. I thought you'd get a win and you lost. Just just win. Just get a win, please. Show There's up no to line. play. There's no line on this game, and I don't blame them. I don't blame Vegas. I wouldn't touch this with the 10-foot pole either. Uh, Spavadol's got to be out, right? I mean, this has got to be the swan song for Spavadol. It's been this is year four, right? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't. I, I like him as a coach. I just don't understand. But the I thing don't get it. You're, you're, you're in Texas, in the heart of Texas, and you can't complain about funding because or facilities. Right, because they have 15 flagship universities in the state of Texas. They're not like Louisiana where, oh, you can only have one because they're prestigious and they're not even the best team in the freaking SEC or the best school in the SEC, not even close, but they're a prestigious school. No, because of the the politics in Louisiana propping them up and giving them all the funding. Anyway, besides I like where this was going. Texas State, with with – with all the resources they have, there is no excuse that they cannot be at the top of this league every single year. Um, I think they're a coach away from doing it. I think they need a Mark Hudspeth type of coach to go in and invigorate that, uh, that fan base. But I tell you, they've got the facilities. They've got the location. San Marcos is cool. Like I enjoy visiting that place. Um, I, but I, I look, if, if I think you were asking about if this is a swan song, if he loses to Houston Baptist, I think that's it. They may they may do the whole slip the Houston Baptist the playbook under the door thing. Can um, <laughs> Wake Forest them? <laughs> yeah, can Wake Forest them too. Uh, so I don't know, man. I, I think I think if he loses to Houston Baptist this week, he's out. So this is going to be a huge game for him and for that program. There's no reason why they should be losing to Houston Baptist. I'm sorry. I, I mean, and you know what's crazy about Texas State? It's still kind of a mystery to everybody else in the Sun Belt. But how is it that you're right in the like center of Texas for the most part, especially in a recruiting base. And you can't even get bowl eligible. You can't even make it to a bowl game. I mean, every team around you has succeeded. UTSA was in the top 25 last year. Even UTEP had a winning season last year. Almost beat Texas just a couple weeks ago. Houston, Baylor, SMU, TCU, all of these teams have had success. Nor Even North Texas has been to bowl games. You, You can't even get bowl eligible. It is so strange to me. In a place like San Marcos, that is is really, I mean, it's a it's a tourist area too. That whole interstate corridor from San Antonio to Austin to San Marcos, and you can't recruit players to make your team bowl eligible. I mean, that's I'll never understand that. I'll never understand well, that about Texas State. I, I don't get it. Jerry, I, I, just, I mean, baseball they win, basketball they win, yeah. softball they've been ranked. You can't win in football, which is like the crown jewel of of, of the state of Texas. It's Te- a mystery. Te- yeah, in in Texas, it's a religion. But I, I was told by an unnamed uh, athletic director assistant that will continue to be unnamed. They just have extremely poor leadership. It just it boils down to they have extremely poor leadership, and a you lot of people try. a lot of people have left in the last couple of years. So, look, we don't. I don't want Texas State to be good. <laughs> they scare the shit out of me. Here's the thing: if they get it going, that's going to be a machine, and the West is going to be completely different if they get it going. Now, we root for the top of the SBC. We root for the Marshalls and the App States and the JMUs and obviously us and everybody else. We root for those people. But we got to also root for the floor because we cannot take a loss to Houston freaking Baptist. This conference well, cannot take a loss to Houston Baptist. But the problem is, is you drag everything, everybody else down. Exactly. Like that. Like and when you so, lose to Charlotte, who just got embarrassed by, who did they lose to? William and Mary. And, Mary. and 17 we, points. my pick to Close win the 17. East just lost to them. Bas- I mean, I'm gonna. Can we go back and redo that segment? 
You will stick with that pick and you will like it, Josh. They listen, listen, chance. listen. O and O in conference. I just want to remind you. They have a chance for redemption this week. If they win the game this week, everything will be forgotten. I'm just going to say that because they play the A-holes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's cool. But look, again, zero and zero. So I'm still in it. I'm still in it. Just hasn't it hasn't looked. You can't lose a Charlotte. That's terrible. That's that's terrible. Anyway, moving. Know, here's the same thing. They're, they're probably saying you can't lose to Rice. Like other teams are saying you can't lose to Rice, man. What are you doing? The entire country saying you can't lose to Rice. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's kind of the shocker of the week for us. You want to know why? Because you can't lose to freaking Rice. <laughs> I digress. Marshall and Troy. Marshall going down to uh, to Alabama. I love the game. I think it's a very interesting game. Look, we're going to see how good Troy is. We're going to see what what their mentality is because, I mean, that's gut-wrenching. You go up to App State, you're you're against the world, and you you have them beat. I mean, how do you recover from that? And, you know, that's a conference game that you lose, and now you have another brutal conference game. That, uh, I am very interested to see how they're going to respond. I think Marshall, look, Marshall's coming off of a loss to Bowling Green, so they're going to be pissed. This is a very interesting game. Again, psychologically, in the mental department, how do these teams, who, who can respond? Who can respond? Marshall just got beat. They got beat at the point of attack. They weren't ready to play. Troy played great football and Miracle on the Mountain, too. God, that's terrible. I, I watched the replay, and I just, like, cringe every time he catches the ball. Did you see the video of the sorority girls from uh, Troy? <laughs> I saw it, yeah. No, yeah. no oh, I didn't see was, it. Because uh, they're watching the game, and, like, he throws the ball, and it, it lands in the middle of, like, 10 players, and they start screaming. And then they realize that the app player caught the ball and ran into the end zone, and they just went from, like, completely cloud nine to deflated. I'll send you that video later. It's No, I haven't I haven't seen it. But, uh, no, I, I think Troy was better than expected. I don't believe in Gunnar Watson. I still don't. But, man, he played well. So maybe maybe I'm the problem. I just thought that he's he's very slow. I have this lasting impression of him just being a statue and our defensive line just engulfing him every time he dropped back to pass. Uh, but look, he proved me wrong. I mean, he played really well. All, Troy's defense was there for the majority of the game. Man, that's just a terrible way to... It was a pretty clean game. It was a well-played game. I was proud to be in the conference with two teams that played that well. That, that was like a heavyweight battle. Not a lot of sloppiness, but man, what a hell of an ending! Especially when game day's there, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was euphoric and Boone uh, last weekend between game day and the way that game finished. But you know, if I'm Troy, I mean, they they should have won that game. That hurts. I mean, it shouldn't take a hail mary and and to to go out there and and be the opponent of a team that's hosting game day and you literally have the game won, like you said, you have the game won, and you lose on a tip drill. Um, on a Hail Mary tip drill. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting matchup because both teams are coming off humiliating losses. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, Marshall was the shock. I mean, as, as much as I Marshall played like ass as much and as Troy hated, played super, super good. You know, as much as I hated losing to rice the other day for Marshall to go to South Bend the week before and beat Notre Dame. Right. And then lose to Owen three bowling green in overtime who hasn't been relevant in like ever. Oh, come on, man. Like, really? I mean, come on. Oh, but it's going to be two teams that are coming off humiliating losses. We're going to see which one's which one responds first. Yeah, Jerry, they said that Ali was going to be back. I know he's back with the team. Does it say, did you hear anything or read anything about, is he going to play? How healthy is he? 
uh, you know, whatever happened with that? Was that like going to be a transfer NIL deal? Like what? I have no idea, man. I haven't heard anything, but I tell you what, they can use them. Yeah, no, they it was very, them. it was very, uh, like everything surrounding his circumstance was very strange. Right. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. He's the best player on the team. All of a sudden he's not with the team and they were very cavalier with how they described the, the situation. You know what I mean? Like strange. it didn't even say he was injured. He said they said he was leaving the team. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea, man. And uh, we go to Monroe, and I always hate going to Monroe because mostly it stinks there. There's nothing to eat. The bars suck. Um, it's really no fun. I mean, honestly, no. I'm seeing like there's nothing fun about going to Monroe. I did watch um, randomly. I went down. I forget what year we went up to Monroe to beat them on their home field for the conference championship in baseball. And I walked into a bar. I think it was called Coda or something. Walked into a bar, and uh, in the corner was Tim McGraw on a, a guitar singing. And, and yeah, random, the, like the most random thing I've ever seen in my life happened mm. in Monroe, Louisiana. So there's a tidbit of info for you. Was it a doppelganger or was it actually him? <laughs> no, it was, it was Tim McGraw. And there Sick. were like 10 people in the bar. It was so bizarre. I don't, I don't know, man. Anyway. That's what's uh, that's what's on tap for the league. Timeout. Did we not talk about Georgia State Coastal? I know I, I, I kind of talked about it, but that's tomorrow night. Oh yeah, no, it is. I don't know. You know why? Because I have uh, what what I pulled up was the CBS app, and they oh, do it by gotcha. day. So gotcha. my pick to win the East is gonna look first game in conference. They're gonna get things started off right, and Coastal is not good. Coastal. Talk about Coastal. We never talk about Coastal because why would we? They really had a tough time beating a bad team this past week. It, they were a screen pass away on a third and like 16 to win the game. Jerry, who'd they play? Um, it's Buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo, not good. I watched probably, I don't know, hour and a half of the game, hour and 15 of the game. Buffalo, not good. They needed, a, it was like third and 15 or third and 16. They throw a screen pass. I, there might have been four or five minutes left in the game. Coastal did. They got the touchdown, and the score doesn't tell the story of the game. This whole idea that Grayson McCall is a Heisman candidate and that Coastal's so good, Coastal's going to lose four games in conference this year. They just they will. lost to Gardner Webb. Yeah, it wasn't good. Like, in, like they should not have won that game. Right. So that tells you right there how not good they are. But that's not you. They're America's team. So America's team. America's Trailer Parks team. Anyway, uh, so that's the league. I think that uh, we got we got to have a bounce back week. After you go and do something unprecedented and knock off top ten teams, you can't follow it up with a dud like we just did. That was uh, not good, Jerry. No, no, it wasn't. You can't lose to Charlotte if you are if you're the Raging Review pick to win the East. No, 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 not the range and review pick. Your pick. <laughs> I didn't pick, I didn't pick them. I'll put them in fourth place. I'm writing this down for when we revisit this and they win the East. And y'all are giving me all the credit. Bookmark it, baby. No, you know what? Honestly, just watch them a little bit. They've looked really good at times and they've looked putrid at times. They, they just got to be more. God, they're, they're receivers. They drop everything. It's unbelievable. Anyway. Man, I tell you what. Well, man, I tell you what. So this is what it feels like to lose a game. Isn't that something? 
asking ourselves what it feels like to actually lose a game? Who would have thought this 20 years ago when the opposite was said of actually winning a game? But it is what it is, and there's a lot of things that didn't look too promising the other night. We saw mistakes. We saw inconsistency. We saw a lack of discipline. We saw inappropriate words and gestures hurled up and down the field. But overall, we saw a deja vu of the past that most of our fans do not want to go back to. Before you're ready to throw your hands up and call it a season three games in, why don't you allow me to bring up some basic facts? The first fact is that we're going through growing pains of a brand new coaching staff. Yes, the formula to win that Billy Napier left us is still there. It's the formula that's being implemented by Mike Desermo that allowed him to become the head coach in the first place. But when you have over 20 members of your entire staff leave, including the touchdown baton that is also gone to Gainesville that the players celebrate with, it becomes a rebuild in spite of your recent success. Sure, we have talent on the field. Sure, we have the personnel that can help us achieve our ultimate goals. But the reality is that there will be bumps along the way. And sometimes they won't be pretty. Take a look at the Rice game the other night. One fingertip pass breakup by one of our defenders that doesn't result in a long pass. And an eventual score. And we may be sitting here talking about a different outcome. As inconsistent as we looked... We were only six points down late in the game. But even then, it wasn't good enough. That close, even with some sloppiness we saw on the field. Secondly, youth in certain positions right now is showing a little more than we expected. Let's look at some of the key players over the last few years. Levi Lewis, Chauncey Manak, Farad Gardner, Makai Gardner, Lorenzo McCaskill, Kyron Lacey, Osiris Torrance, Imani Bailey, Montreal Johnson, Max Mitchell, Percy Butler. All big names who contributed to so much of our success, but now, all gone. And these players that were on the team when we pulled off close wins against inferior competition as well. Now look at the situation. Do we win these do we win this game the other night with these guys? Probably so. But sometimes We don't know what we got until it's gone. And it showed. But let me tell you, the absence of these guys can definitely help us realize how special they really were for us. And I sincerely believe that the guys replacing him can do a fantastic job filling in. But for us as fans, and I hate to say it, I know we don't like to hear it, it takes time. Lastly, Coach Mike Desermo is four games into his head coaching career at Louisiana. And in spite of his loss the other night, he sits with a record of three and one. Can we give the new Iberian native and former Louisiana letterman a chance? I know he was not the quote unquote big name hire that fans had in mind, but if our athletic director and other coaches vying for him or were vying for him to keep the hashtag culture going, shouldn't he have a right to prove himself beyond just four games? I think so. Also, if I recall, I remember another coach losing his third game of the season to an inferior opponent in his first year as head coach. Yeah, we can remember when Billy Napier lost to 5-7 and seven Coastal Carolina in 2018. From there, he finished that season 7-7 seven and seven before going on a 33-5 and five run and becoming the head football coach for the Florida Gators. And I know that the program was in a different situation 
of trying to find an identity back then. I get it. But if you really look at the changes that I mentioned with coaching and player personnel, it doesn't really surprise me that much that we have some growing pains, even with our recent success. Time will tell whether or not we overcome them. And I think Coach Dez deserves that chance starting this Saturday against ULM. Man, I tell you what, it's going to be interesting to see how this team can overcome adversity. No more talking about the win streak. No more talking about top 25 rankings. And really no more talking about championships. How about we as fans and as a team, let's just take it one week at a time. One game at a time. And see where we are come late November. For me, I've sat through enough 1-10 and and 3-9 and seasons to give a little bit of patience with this team. The difference between those years and this one? This one, there is an expectation to win. Once again, let's start that expectation this weekend and beat ULM. Let's just see what happens. Go Cajuns. Boys, it's been a good time. Always is. Talking a little football, a little Cajuns athletics. If you like the content, please smash that subscribe button. Tickle that little like button over there in your left-hand corner. <laughs> Tell a friend. Join us next week. We'll be back. Talk Cajuns football. Hopefully, in the meantime, we get a win over the Monrovians and the UL War or the, the U, almost Warhawks, whatever the hell they call them. So, good night, everybody. <laughs>